Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Super important question here, but if you decide you're going to delete that LinkedIn account, you got that question. <laughs> you know, I... I said that almost as a joke. You know, if I'm being smart, the reality is football ends at some point. Hopefully it's in 20 years. So I'll probably keep it active. I want to know with it active, so we'll just keep it up. Every time I see John Walford, I see Ed Sheeran. He doesn't look like Ed Sheeran in that photo, though. But I get it. You're right. Doesn't he look like Ed Sheeran? Definitely. Definitely. No doubt about it. I see it totally. Well, maybe soon we'll be saying that Ed Sheeran looks like John Walford if Walford can have some success in the postseason in the absence of Jared Goff. The Rams are keeping very close to the vest their their plans for this weekend. I can't imagine Goff playing. No, I think it's going to be Walford, and maybe he beats the Seahawks, and maybe the legend of John Walford grows. Well, I I mean, I'm with you. I would imagine it's going to be John Walford. Uh, It wasn't perfect last week, certainly. But as the game went on, he got in rhythm. And what, you know, again, this is not a team that needs something superstar-ish at quarterback, as we know. I mean, this is the team that's the king of the 12-play, 55-yard drive for a field goal with Jared Goff or no Jared Goff. It doesn't matter. They're going to run the ball. They're going to dink and dunk you to death with bootlegs and screens and things like that, and they're going to play defense. And that formula can beat the Seattle Seahawks with or without golf. I mean, again, so I don't count them out with John Wolford at quarterback this weekend. I do not. Well, the LA Rams, uh, one of the teams that is not in the top 10 in this week's final regular season PFT power rankings. We post them on Tuesday. We talk about them here on Wednesday with some of your input and your questions. And for the second straight week, the Buffalo Bills. Do you feel differently this week about the Bills as the potential number one team? I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs called off the dogs. They they rested key right. players. Patrick Mahomes didn't play. They lost to the Chargers. But I, I was so impressed by what the Bills did against the Dolphins team that was trying to get to the playoffs. I, I, and to hang 56 yeah. on the number one scoring defense in the NFL. And and the, and the hesitation to take out the starters. I really do think Sean McDermott is aware of the fact that they've got their, their foot on the gas, yeah. not at a red light in a drag race setting. But but they, they're afraid to take it off. I, I think so, too. I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you got to go and you got your mojo going. You know, we've seen a lot of teams through history kind of go through the kind of stretch they're going where, okay, maybe you'll lose a game around week 9, 10, or 11, and all of a sudden you go on this run and you had to play it out through the playoffs, and that continues, and you never lose a game for the rest of the season. I mean, that's gone on a lot through through NFL's history, those kind of runs. So I understand that. And to your question, yes, that made me think differently. I mean – we were already thinking differently, but like you said it, I was, nobody can get in the end zone against the Miami Dolphins. They, they're the kings of making you kick field goals. And Buffalo made it look like 56, no problem. We could score 86 if we want today. That's not an issue. That was extremely impressive, both sides of the football. The Bills and the Packers, 
I think made me think differently about those two teams more than any two teams down the down the month of December. The Packers, you know my thoughts. I I, I think you were there with me where I went, eh, they're good. I'm just not sold. It's a lot of Rodgers magic to where the last few weeks I've gone, man, defense seems tougher and grittier. Offense seems to be able to run it and do whatever it wants now. And I just look at both of them and go, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a Packers-Bills Super Bowl. They're both kind of kicking butt. Yeah, and, and the Chiefs have shown that they can get it done in January. No doubt. That's the key. Yes. How much of December carries over into January where you know entering the game and throughout the entirety of the contest that if you lose, you are done. Playoff experience is critical. Dealing with adversity in the postseason is critical. This is where we make that shift from regular season vibe to postseason vibe. And I remember Rodney Harrison explaining this to me years ago, that everything changes in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's faster, it's more intense, and the guys who haven't been there before are the ones who are more likely to freak out in the moment. The guys who have been there and done that, they understand how it is. And when you look at what the Chiefs did last year, down 24 to the Texans, down 10 twice in the first half to the Titans, down 10 with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl. They are not going to freak out in the moment. And they probably like the fact that guys like us are saying how great the Bills are right now because sure. that gives them a reason to have a little chip on their shoulder going into the postseason. And when the top dog has the chip on its shoulder, it's far more dangerous. It, it's definitely more dangerous. Uh, I, we're not forgetting of them at all. I mean, definitely not. Uh, they're still the kings of the hill. They still have the ability to make more magic than any other team we've seen in football and rise to you know the challenge, the occasion, whatever it may be. So uh, I, I'm, I'm not forgetting about them. And – Hey, they needed this rest. They needed to take a little last week off. You know, you said it all year. They were hunted this year. It's not easy. You play a long season last year. You have a weird off season, you know, and then everybody is gunning for you week after week after week. And you constantly have to kind of be on your A plus A game, be ready to go answer the bell. It wore them out and you could see it and they needed to get healthy. And I think mentally, you know, refreshed and all those type of things. So uh, it, I, that's why I'm excited about the playoffs because we got some teams that are are peaking at the right time, and of course we got the Chiefs who are are amazing. We've got the odds from points bet of uh, NFL champion possibilities, the various teams at the top. Uh, let Let's come up with a loose list of of who we have the most confidence in right now of all the teams in the postseason field. Who do you believe is the most likely to win the Super Bowl? Are these odds accurate? The Chiefs, the favorite at plus two twenty. I, I think so. I, I think that's. Ex I see it that way at Kansas City. You know, again, I'm with you. Like the Bills are right there with the Chiefs. Like I said last week, I'd still if we the Chiefs and Bills play tomorrow, I'm taking the Chiefs, even though I think the Bills are playing a little bit better. I got to see that magic of Kansas City squashed one time before I pick against them. Every time they need it, they make it happen. So. I do go with them. I actually, I you know, in front of me right here, yeah, I wrote Green Bay as number two. And then I wasn't sure with Bills and Saints. That was where I have an arrow going each way. And I don't know, who do you feel more? Well, obviously, you feel more comfortable about Buffalo right now, right, than New Orleans? Yeah, look, if I was doing these odds, I would go Kansas City first, then Buffalo. I, I know that Buffalo's major impediment is the Chiefs, but I, I just I feel better about the Bills beating the Chiefs than any team from the NFC beating the Chiefs, right? Sure. So why wouldn't the Bills be higher than the Packers and the Saints on the list of odds to win the Super Bowl? So when I see that, I think, well, if I was betting on this, I'd like the Bills at plus 750 because I think that one's off. And I like the Bucks at plus 1,000. Not that I would put them, you know, ridiculously high on the list of teams most likely to win, but plus 1,000 sounds pretty good because I think the Buccaneers are the one team in the NFC that could win the Super Bowl if they can get there. Sure. The challenge is getting there. It's going to be hard to get there. I think when they get there, two weeks to prepare with Tom Brady, I think that they they could they could give the AFC champion more of a run for their money than the other teams in the NFC. So you've got Kansas City, Green Bay, then Buffalo? I, I think I would go Kansas City, Green Bay, and then Buffalo. 
barely over the Saints. I mean, Buffalo is where they are, I think, just because of one reason, lack of experience, right? Everybody wants to see, at least on the, you know, the uh, – the points bet thing, the points bet line there. I, I think that's the reason, or to answer your question, you know, the Saints are ahead of them because hey, it's Drew Brees, it's you know Aaron Rodgers, it's guys who have been there and done that. We haven't seen Buffalo do that yet, so I'm sure that's you know hindering them as far as gambling's concerned. But I would probably put the Bills slightly ahead of the Saints right now. But I don't feel really really comfortable about that. I think Saints pre you know last few playoff struggles. Drew Brees not exactly making plays in the playoffs and doing things like that. That scares me a little bit, and that's why I do give the Bills the advantage. Yeah, my top five now that we've we've thought this through and yeah. talked this through a little bit are Bills, then – no, I'm sorry, Chiefs, then Bills, then Buccaneers, then Packers. Okay. And I don't know – I ooh, Ravens before Saints. Ravens before Saints. Ravens are too hot right now, and the Ravens are the team that can screw everything up. And they've got the attitude that we're going to come screw everything up. That's the thing. What what they've uh, that 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 mindset that they've developed over the last five weeks, where it's just been we have to win, we have to win, we have to win, we have to win. They've built this bully that's going to show up and kick your butt. That's what I'm concerned about for these other teams that they're going to be the potential disruptor. And uh, even though they don't have a lot of playoff experience, I don't think they care at this point. It's line up and kick your butt. Line up and kick your butt. So I would even buy the thing with the Saints, and I'm impressed that the Saints keep getting back to the playoffs yeah. after having their hearts ripped out every year. But now we're back in that mode where they are accustomed to having their hearts ripped out. I don't know how they reverse that. It's three straight years of having their hearts ripped out. And how do you erase from your being? from your mind, from your soul, from anywhere in your body, the notion that here it comes again. It's going to happen again. It's It just keeps happening when we get into this single elimination atmosphere. So I that's and, – and the other issues with the Saints, the injuries of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and and the, the Drew Brees deep ball. And it, it just feels like for as good as they've been this year, it just feels like something's a little bit off. I, I mean, I, I'm here. I hear you. I think that's why I I put them fourth is because of those questions. You know, I, I do. You know, I, but their defense is phenomenal. I think they are one of those teams that could upset things too in the NFC. Obviously, I I do. You know, when you have an offensive line like that, you can run the football the way they do. The way their defense is played, really down the stretch, they're still a very very scary football team. Definitely. So, uh, I, but but I think I'm Chiefs. Packers, Bills, Saints. And then this is where I, I'm stuck between the Bucks and the Ravens right now with the Seahawks being the team that comes after those two right there. I think I'm with you, though. I think I have a little more trust in the Bucks uh, than the Ravens. And I, I'm going to go Bucks there as my number five, Ravens six, Seahawks sevens. That's kind of how I would feel as far as my Chris Sims comfort tree. I may put the Seahawks ahead of the Saints. I'm sorry, Saints. I hate to do that, wow. but I may. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking. You put them on a field together now. Jamal Adams is going to be a huge factor in that. Big and factor. You've got a shoulder injury right. that may or may not allow him to play this weekend. But the Seahawks have that experience. You've got you've got a quarterback who's a Hall of Famer with two Super Bowls under his belt and playoffs, playoffs, playoffs almost every year. You've got a coach who's been there and done that. I, I, you know, every year we have to remind ourselves, don't overlook the value of extensive postseason experience. Sure. Brady is the king of it. But when we look at these other teams over the years and, and high level of achievement, you, you've got the, 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 the Seahawks are number two. You think it's the Saints, but the Seahawks have been to two Super Bowls. The Saints have been to one and they've got the same coach and the same quarterback and a lot of the other same guts of the organization the players have changed dramatically obviously but I, I think there's there's value in that for both the Seahawks and the Saints no I, I agree I, I think there's more recent battle tests you know tested factors maybe in Seattle even though it's been a few years yes uh, but there's you know Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright and Russell Wilson who were there for it all you know, who still understand that there's nobody left of that New Orleans team that won the Super Bowl back then except for Drew Brees and Sean Payton that's all there is to it. But I, I still think their experience, their toughness, their grittiness, they match up very well with Chicago. Uh, I, I still think they're going to have something to be said here 
I would not be shocked if we were sitting there championship Sunday and the New Orleans Saints were involved in that football game. The NFC in general, I just look at that and go, a few weeks ago, I think I would have gone, oh, the AFC is clearly better than the NFC. But when you really talk about, in my opinion, the top four teams in the NFC, which would be Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, and Tampa Bay, I think they have closed the gap. And I'm not so sure their top four teams aren't better than the top four teams of the AFC now where we sit and how those teams are playing right now. Because I'm not going to put a, like Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Yeah, I got questions about them. Yeah, Buffalo and Kansas City were good. But man, Tennessee, I, I think you and me could go out there and put up 30 points on offense against that defense. So that's a little. That's no. a little. No, probably not. But that's that's. What position would I be playing? Uh, I um, we'd have to make you automatic snapper. I think that was what we'd have to do. <laughs> automatic snapper, and then have bodyguards next to you to make sure you don't get run yeah, over. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I don't know. That's that was how I feel a little. Yeah. Go ahead. That was the question that Sweetness posed via Twitter. Now that the regular season is over, how does the AFC stack up against the NFC? And and here, here's the other side of it too. By the time you have the AFC champion face the NFC champion there will be more games that have been played. Teams will feel better about themselves. That idea of being the one who emerges from the cluster. You know, if, if I don't know how much better the Chiefs will feel about themselves if they emerge, but I could see the NFC champion having some extra swagger, confidence, belief going into the Super Bowl by way of, of navigating this playoff yeah. field, especially if right. you win a game or two on the road. If you're the Buccaneers and you go to Lambeau Field and beat – the Packers maybe in the championship game to punch your ticket to the Super Bowl played in your home stadium. That's the one factor we can't overlook. And that's why I feel better about the Buccaneers on this on this list of who we think is most likely to win the Super Bowl. If the Buccaneers get there, they're staying at home all week. They're staying at home. They're in their facility. They're, they're, and, and I know that the travel realities will have the other teams there too, but I'm talking about in your stadium, in your place, in your habitat. I think that's a huge advantage for the Buccaneers if they end up getting to the Super Bowl, Chris. Uh, I, I, I don't disagree with that. You know, I, Yes, anytime you don't have to leave your comfort zone, that's always a positive as a football player to be able to be in your facility, Super Bowl two weeks basically. And, 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 and just feel, hey, I get to come home to my house, my bed, do all that. That is a great advantage. My only thing I would go, like, because as you were talking there, I was going, wait, was there any negative to that? The only negative I would think would just be, like, maybe it doesn't feel as special because you're at home. But I, I don't know if really that's, that's a thing. That was the only negative aspect I could come up with. Well, it's not going to feel special for the other team, though either because the other yeah. team's going to stay where they are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's treated like a road game in Tampa. If if the teams that make it to the Super Bowl, and obviously the AFC representative will be treating it as a road game to Tampa, if it's any of the other teams in the NFC other than Tampa, same deal. It's like you're playing at Tampa, so it's not going to be like it is in any other year yeah. other than the game. But yeah. even for the game, it's not going to be like it is any other year because there's not going to be a full stadium of fans. Speaking of the Buccaneers, Mike Nisaitin has a question for us. Is this current Buccaneers team looking as good as the team that John Gruden assembled when the Bucs won the Super Bowl in early 2003? Your thoughts on how these Buccaneers compare to the Buccaneers that, that you know very well because you joined them in the immediate aftermath of winning that Super Bowl? Yes, I, I think that this Buccaneers team and this offense is, is far more explosive, you know, just with Brady, Evans, Gronk, A.B., Godwin, all of that I mean wow it just this is a they've gotten to a point here the last few weeks where you just I go I don't know if you can really stop them I don't I think it's them messing up is what you have to hope for a little bit and they're the way Brady's playing and everything like that so the offense clearly better now defense you know no I I, I can't say that I mean that was an all-time defense that's one of the greatest defenses in the history of football right there Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and Rondé Barber and John Lynch and Simeon Rice, holy cow, they could win games by themselves. As you saw in the Super Bowl, they almost did that to a degree, stopping one of the greatest offenses ever. So I don't think I'm ready to rank them there quite yet, but I think the real thing is, and you just said it, they have Super Bowl champion potential. That's the real thing, and we'll see if they can kind of keep their hot streak going here through the playoffs. We talked earlier about the Seahawks. Mike on Twitter has a question. If the offense plays like it did earlier in this year, 
are the Hawks the favorites in the NFC? That's a big if, I think, for the offense to do what it was doing back in the days of Let Russ Cook, which feels like it was a different season, not just a different month. But if they could get that magic back, I don't know if they want to get that magic back. I don't know if they're trying to get that magic back. But given where the defense currently is, if all of a sudden they're throwing it all over the place, if they were you know, doing a little rope-a-dope and they switched to southpaw and now they're going to switch back, if they could have that kind of impact offensively, yeah, they would be very dangerous, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they need, they've definitely lost their swagger on the offensive side of the ball. That's for sure. You know, not that they need to, like, you know, put up 40 points and, and throw it 50 times a game because you're right. Like, you know, what you're saying, they don't want to really do that. They want to, you know, play a little bit of balanced football and make, have Russell make some big plays in the pass game. Now, they've, they've struggled a little bit that way. They have to find some ways to make things a little easier on the offensive side of the ball. Too much of the offense at this moment is just like, hey, Russell, we need you to make something happen. Run game not really kicking butt. Can't say there's consistently open receivers. They need to do more there. Uh, and that, that's kind of the worry. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's why Pete Carroll, I mean, uh, uh, he deserves to be in the coach of the year conversation too with just the hell of what he's done with that defense this year. I mean, they were on pace to be one of the worst in the history of football. And then here the last five or six weeks, I believe they're second in football in all, almost every statistical category on defense behind the, the Los Angeles Rams. It's a fun, phenomenal transformation. But I do think the offense has got to play at a little higher level than they had as of late if they want to make a run here in the playoffs. Here's a question from Hawktoberfest. Why are the Steelers lower than the Ravens when the Ravens lost to the Steelers twice this year? And Hawktoberfest, all I'll tell you is this. Right now, if the Ravens and the Steelers crossed paths, it would not be 3-0 and for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's why the Ravens are higher right now than the Steelers. Chris, do you agree with that assessment? I do. I, I mean, I think the Ravens are going in the playoffs as one of the hottest teams in the game. So, and, and yes, like Pittsburgh to me is one of the most fascinating stories going into the playoffs, you know, with big Ben, you know, is he a hundred percent healthy? And then they played one good half of football. And that's the only good half of football they played in the month of December on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm just, I am, what I can't wait for in our game Sunday night is just like, what offense are we going to see from Pittsburgh? Where's this going to go? And I don't think you could sit here and confidently say you think they're going to execute better than the Ravens and some of the teams you got in front of them right now. So I'm with you. I hear you. I, I think you're totally justified as far as having the Ravens in front of them. One thing that was lost in all of the outcomes and action on Sunday, Mason Rudolph actually played pretty well. We didn't expect much, so when you set the bar low, it's easy to say we, we think he played well, but he actually did play well. So if, if Big Ben would end up uh, having to come out, it's it's not as disastrous right. as we thought it would have been. They Agreed. still need to rediscover their running game, though. You, you can't win in January without a running game, and, and they're going to have to come out and run the ball. They get an advantage, though, with everything that's happening with the Browns. This should be a game the Steelers win, and then the question becomes, can they go to Buffalo, assuming that the Bills beat the Colts? Can they go to Buffalo and pull off a victory there in the divisional round? We saw what happened to the Steelers in Buffalo on a Sunday night a few weeks ago. Last question before we break, as it relates to the Eagles. Dr. J144, the Eagles are number 29 in the final power rankings. The question is this, where would the Eagles be if they had started Nate Sunfeld all 16 games? <laughs> um, I think we know. I think we do know from what we saw right there. And well, listen, they knew. That's what, like, that's what's, they knew. I mean, come on. They knew exactly what they were going to get out of there. They would be 32, probably. I, I think that's fair to say. Certain, certainly they a little would, they lower. Would be, they would be contemplating what to do with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and Nate Sudfeld because there would be a new sheriff in town and his name would be Trevor Lawrence. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we return. Some talk yesterday as it relates to the future of the fifth overall pick in the 2020 draft to a Tonga Bailoa. We'll discuss that and more when we get to live right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. 
But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It starts in just three days. Super Wild Card Weekend. Three games each day. Primetime games Saturday and Sunday night on NBC. The Sunday night game between the Browns and Steelers will also stream on Peacock, which is awesome. Also awesome, post game on Peacock with Michael Hawley and Michael Smith after the Browns-Steelers game on Sunday night. So that will be great, and it is going to be an excellent weekend. Six standalone games coming up on uh, Saturday and Sunday with two of them on NBC. Also... One of the teams not in the playoffs, the Miami Dolphins. Their GM, Chris Greer, was asked yesterday how confident he is in Tua Tonga-Vailoa and if Greer can rule out drafting a quarterback in 2021. Here's what Greer had to say. Tua, we're very happy with. You know, he's our starting quarterback. Uh, he did a nice job this year coming in uh, as a rookie with no offseason and, and the challenges of, of dealing with all that. And, um, very happy with him and uh, looking forward to watching him progress here over the next with an off season here and going into next year. And, you know, for us, uh, not really talking about draft strategy, anything right now, the season just ended. If, if your desire is to add competition and upgrade at all positions, is quarterback part of that calculus? Yeah, it's every position. Like I said, it's, it makes everyone great. I mean, there's been uh, history has shown, doesn't matter who it is, is you're always looking to, bringing guys that fit your system and then will uh, push people and make them better. We also yeah. want to be clear that Tua is our starter and we're very happy with his development so far. It's so funny watching Brian Flores on the other side of the screen while Chris Greer is talking. Flores, Flores just wants to get up and leave. <laughs> He's had enough. He's like, damn, things. it's been a, I got other been a dark grind all year. He's like, I, I literally, <laughs> I'm writing and I, I've been in the dark grinding all year. I'd like to get out and enjoy Florida and see my family. That's what he's saying. Like, come on, hurry up. <laughs> Hey, look, I, I, I put no stock in anything that is said during these perfunctory end-of-season press conferences. Yes, Tua is their starting quarterback. I get it. That doesn't mean that they won't decide based upon upcoming events that someone else should be their starting quarterback. You can't rule it out. Look at what the Cardinals did two years ago when they had taken Josh Rosen with the 10th overall pick, trading up to get Josh Rosen in the 2018 draft, 2019 first overall pick, Kyler Murray. So when you hold the third overall pick by virtue of the, the Larry Me Tunsil, Kenny Stills trade, you hold that pick now. The Texans were that bad. That's good for the Dolphins. You have to evaluate all the quarterbacks. You have to because you may be trading that pick to somebody who wants to come up and get a quarterback. So you need to be able to negotiate properly and effectively the terms of that trade and what better way to do it than to have your own opinions about who that quarterback's going to be because they're not trading for the pick, they're trading for the player. So in the process of evaluating the player, maybe you decide that player's better than the one that you have. And that's the way football is. They're always looking for someone better than who they have. They don't come out and say it. They want to have a franchise quarterback that's going to be there for 15 years. But 
if they can get somebody better, you know they're going to do it, Chris. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, especially if they think it's like slam dunk better, without a doubt. I, I, well, I mean, there's more leeway to do it this day and age with the rookie salary cap and not being tied to like a guy you've never seen played for, you know, $70 million. I've never seen him play, but we gave him $60 million guaranteed and an $80 million contract. That's what was crazy about the old way. Now you're not, you know, your hands are not tied in those situations. I do expect Tua to be the starter, though. I do. You know, and this, you know, everything I know, Mike, it, this was Chris Greer's guy. He was the guy. You know, I've heard from a lot of people mm. who I trust. I've heard it was an owner's pick. I've heard it was an owner's I, pick. I, I have, I've, I've heard differently, so I, I don't know either well, way. Well, Chris Greer screwed up because he should have taken Justin Herbert. Yeah, well, what, that's that. listen, at the end of the day, that's going to continue to be evaluated, almost like Trubisky with Deshaun Watson and Mahomes. This is going to be the thing now. The one thing we know, and it doesn't mean it like, but this aspect, th this conversation's over. It's already over. Justin Herbert is far more talented than Tua. That'll ne the gap will never be closed. That's not even a discussion anymore. There's nothing there. Now, the gap can be closed about playing the position, but you got to be a little concerned with what we saw with Tua. At the very least, with the way they've built their team and everything like that, whether they need to bring in another really quality backup like a Ryan Fitzpatrick once again because – they need to do that just for the the to have the backup plan to go. Wait, we have a great team again, and oh, it's just like last year when we get down, we can't really trust our quarterback to drive or make any plays or do anything like that. So they'll have to protect themselves with that to a degree, at least in my opinion, this offseason. But, but the mere fact that I'm saying that, I know that you're saying that, right? I know. When else have we ever had that caveat for a budding? franchise high first round quarterback that that wasn't the conversation for Josh Rosen it wasn't boy they need to have a guy who can come in if Josh Rosen urinates down his leg during the game and we don't know what to do and again it, it hurts me to say it because I love two of the person but two of the quarterback has a long way to go to catch Justin Herbert as you said and to be who they expected him to be when all the tank for Tua talk was happening in 2019 and we thought the Dolphins were trying to get to the first overall pick so they could get Tua, and they ended up getting him at number five because of the injury issue, and they wanted to go up and get Burrow, folks. They tried to move up to get Joe Burrow, and their fallback was Tua, and I don't know how seriously they considered, Chris, that their fallback should have been Herbert. No, I, I know. I, I mean, obviously. You know, like, you know it, it, this is always a good conversation. I think this is the perfect – a conversation again, and we don't know. Tua's still developing, and there's nothing wrong with not – you don't have to be a superstar year one. You can develop and then become a superstar and be a great quarterback, and we don't know where that's at yet. But we do know he's got to make adjustments to his game. And the way it looks right now, again, is – and this is where all quarterback misevaluations happen – Tua was drafted with the thought of, wait, he's coming with Alabama, right? You know, guys are going to be wide open and the protection's going to be perfect. And, right, that's the guy I'm getting. Oh, no, you're not. It's the NFL. It's not going to be like that. You're not going to be considerably better than every team you're on the field with every week like he was at Alabama. And that's where Tua's got to adjust. He's going to have to adjust his you know, uh, his feel for what's open, how to be aggressive, and all of those type of things. You know, like you've heard me say, when Brian Fitzpatrick comes in the football game, it's the same place Tua ran. They're not running a different offense. It's the same. But, you know, open by four inches is open in the NFL. Tua's reluctant to make those throws. You know, being able to step into a throw, even though there's people around you, that's a good pocket in the NFL. Tua doesn't want to do that. He wants to get out and get away before he has to be. A, so those he's got to make those adjustments from what he thought college to NFL life is like, and then he can improve from there. But that's a big if, and we're going to see if he can do it. Do you think the desire not to step into the throws in the pocket is just a residual of this injuries and impact and trying to keep himself safe, and he's safer throwing on the run outside of the pocket where he knows when he throws he's not stepping into the face of these giants who are trying to destroy him. I think there's definitely a part of that, yes. I think there was a conservative effort for, for him this year where he was like, I'm not going to let them hit me. I'm going to try to stay healthy. And that could have played into that, 
you know, that factor you're talking about. But you can't continue to play like that forever, you know, because you're going to leave completions and yards and plays on the field if you're playing like that. So he's just going to have to get comfortable. Hopefully, yes, health-wise he'll be better. And then he's going to have to get comfortable throwing in the trash, as we would say in the NFL, with people all around you. And, man, it doesn't feel comfortable. But, man, that guy's open, and your job is to get him the ball, and you got to figure out the way to do that. And that's where we're not at quite yet. And, you know, again, we'll see. This is where I was a little negative on him. You know, this is the mistake we see repeatedly with college quarterbacks. You know, the Matt Liners, the Tim Tebows. We just go, oh, they win and the stats are great. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Wait, Tim Tebow threw it three feet and Percy Harvin ran 70 yards. Matt Liners <laughs> threw it four feet and Reggie Bush ran 80 yards. And we went, whoa, what great quarterback play. And I want to go, no, the coach just said throw it to that guy. And that's all they did. That wasn't that hard. And that's where misevaluation continues to happen at the position. In his defense, Tim Tebow completed 80% of his three-foot passes. <laughs> yes, um, he did. <laughs> well, one, one last thing, though. It, it This really is a painful discussion for me because Tua is awesome. I know. We loved him last year yeah. when we interviewed him. I've talked to him. He, he's great. His family's great. He is a great young man, and we hope that these issues – that yes. these, these areas of improvement get addressed so he can blossom into a great quarterback. He would be an excellent representative of the NFL for the next 10, 15, no 20 years. We, we want him to get there. And if you're a Dolphins fan, I don't think you your interests are best served by just burying your head in the sand and saying, well, we just have to stick with this guy. Hey, we picked him over Justin Herbert. We have to stick with him no matter what. The reality of the NFL is they're always looking for the next guy who's going to be better than the guy they have. And if they can get him, they need to do it. That's what's in the best interest of the team. The New York Jets are going to try to figure out what's in the best interest of their team. They hold the second overall pick in the draft, but they've got Sam Darnold, the guy they gave up three second-round picks to get by moving from six to three just three years ago. Here is Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, talking about Sam Darnold and his future. Look, we, we've got a lot of decisions to make. You know, I I, I think that Sam's going to be a, a great quarterback. You know, um, I, I'm excited to to get a head coach in here, um, go through our process. Um, you know, I had a great conversation with Sam yesterday. Um, can't I won't go into the, into the specifics, but you know, I, I think I think Sam has a very bright future in this league, and so. Um, you know, we're we're going to get a head coach in here. We're gonna we're gonna get together. We're gonna talk about uh, quite a few decisions. And so, um, no, I, I'm excited about Sam. Remember Larry the Cable Guy? Every time I see Joe Douglas, I think Larry the Cable Guy. I, I don't you? I, I hear you. Yeah, he's got every a, damn time. He is Larry every the Cable time. Guy is an awesome guy too. But Joe's a little more impressive of a man. Like has a little more muscle density. Larry Cable Guy is just fat. I've been around him. He's just fat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Larry. <laughs> He'll understand. <laughs> I don't even know where Larry the Cable Guy is anymore. I haven't seen anything or heard anything about him in a long time. But anyway, that's just I don't know. It's the goatee. It's the look. It's right. the hat. Sure. Rip the sleeves off. Rip the sleeves off of that uh, that hoodie, and you're good to go. Um, far more importantly, the substance of what Joe Douglas had to say. Sam Darnold, or the second overall pick in the draft. Somebody asked me yesterday, what are they going to do? Well, we don't know until they have a coach. Right. You don't know what the coach is going to think of Sam Darnold. You don't know what the coach is going to think of the guys coming in. Will the coach have a plan for Sam Darnold? And I think this is part of what you interview for. You wait to see what the coaches say their plan will be. Sure. I have a plan for fixing Sam Darnold. I have a plan for getting the most out of Justin Fields. I have a plan for trading up to get Trevor Lawrence. These are all things that I think you need to be willing to absorb as you interview these candidates, and you hope that the candidates – are telling you what they truly believe, not what they think you want to hear just so they can get the job. That's a dynamic as well that can rear its ugly head during these kinds of interviews. Definitely, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. We saw that be an issue a few years ago with the Jaguars job and Blake Bortles where that was a huge thing with the, the coaches being you know uh, interviewed in that process. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be interesting. It really is. This is one of the, the best storylines, I think, of the offseason, what the Jets do with the position they're at. 
You know, they're they're in a they're in a good spot in a lot of ways. Yeah, you can take a quarterback in Justin Fields if you want, if you're blown away by it. Hey, you could hope that some other team really likes him and wants to trade up and get him. There's that avenue. But yeah, when you do that, yes, you're saying it would keep Sam Darnold. I do think there's many people within the Jets organization that still believe in Sam Darnold. I'm one of those guys, Mike. I understand it's not clear cut, but I feel I've seen enough when I watch them and on film to go, I think you can win and be successful with Sam Darnold. I'm not saying it's going to be Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. No, but I would tell the Jets and Jets fans to be careful about wanting to trade them, you know, and trading away, you know, it, well, and, and then going to a quarterback you don't know, you know, what they're going to be. Again, I'd like to remember, remind Jets fans, this guy was called Sammy the Savior when he came to town. We thought it was all done right then. Who's to say this can't all happen again? You know, so build a team. I think you can win around Sam Darnold and maybe they can trade that pick and add to their team overall and become a better team. You know, it, you heard me say the other day, it's like the Miami Dolphins. I know Tannehill and Miami needed to split ways. Exactly. But that's what I was going to say. It's Ryan T That's the name that the Jets fans need to keep in mind. Exactly. Who get rid of Sam Darnold. Right. Ryan Tannehill. Exactly. Like, how good would the, would the Dolphins be going to the Super Bowl this year right now if you had Ryan Tannehill and maybe could have made the number five pick something else I don't know whether you trade down or drafted somebody right there maybe you traded down and you got Justin Jefferson a little later or something like that who knows but that's the point like what you're saying exactly right be careful there because you could have a winning formula let's not just ditch it for quarterback 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 when you have a, a one that I think is pretty solid already well, the guy that you throw overboard could go somewhere else in your division or in your conference and help a team take a playoff spot that maybe you would get. Sure. Like the Dolphins, 10-6, and six, they're out. Titans in, Titans have Ryan Tannehill. That is a very real concern when you start talking about telling a quarterback to pack up his stuff and leave. Um, the Trevor Lawrence angle fascinates me, though, because if Urban Meyer takes the Jaguars' job, right, before, and I don't know that he would want Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, but before you would take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, you would try to get the Jets to trade up to number one so they could get Trevor Lawrence. So if you're a Jets fan, don't rule out the possibility of getting Trevor Lawrence because if Meyer gets the Jaguars job and he wants Justin Fields, I think they're going to call the Jets at some point and say, you can get Trevor Lawrence. What are you willing to give us to move from two to one? Yeah, uh, that you're right. That That is a possibility. You know, and you're right. We don't know how Urban might. We don't know if he's going to be the head coach in Jacksonville. We don't know how he feels about Justin Field. You, you real, we realize he's going to have great information. You know, I'm like, Urban wasn't there with Fields, right? He he came the year after he left, and then right, but he recruited him. But he, but he, he knows of him, right? He saw him on tape, right. all of those type of things. And of course, I'm sure he's got the greatest scouting report ever there from Ohio State. So you're you're right, Mike. That that can be an angle to watch out for. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the draft for today, the wild card quarterbacks in whom we have the most trust. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Every day is now Pretzel Day on Peacock, The Office. Every episode, extras, exclusives, streaming exclusively on Peacock. It is is awesome season three super fan episodes start to finish up to 62 minutes long new stuff you've never seen before i've watched every season three extended episode it is awesome and i'm gonna watch it again and i'm gonna keep watching it all you people who've been binging it over and over and over again you can only see it now on peacock. i need to be so one of those don't guys have peacock get peacock the Office is awesome. I know. Uh, I, I have so anyway. many friends that love it. I, I really don't know. You know, I've caught a few shows here and there. It makes me laugh, but I've just never gotten into a rhythm with it where, like, uh, it's going to happen this spring when the season's over where I'd like to catch up. Um, you ready for draft? I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the draft. I was going to make one comment, though. The, 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 the appeal is the awkwardness. There's right. always awkward 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 and that's when it's at its funniest so i'm ready for the draft and you have the question for me we're drafting the wild card quarterbacks in whom we trust the most who's in the trust tree all right so this saturday buffalo will host its first playoff game since 1995 what two teams have a longer drought 
of not hosting a playoff game? That's a tough one. I'm uh, I don't know this one either. Wow. I'm going to help you out. I think here. Well, I hmm, wow. I, I'm going to say Detroit Lions. Is oh. that one of them? I got to think it is. Or is that wall wall? Yes, wall. it is. Yes. Okay, that's one. I would say that the Cleveland Browns would be the other one. You would be correct. Way to go. Hey, all right. All Way right. to go. Way to go. Yes. Man, anytime, and I'm telling you, no matter how many times we do this, when the red light's on and the clock is ticking and you have this broad canvas of things to choose from, it's easy to panic. Uh, one guy who won't be panicking ever in a playoff game is a guy who's played more than two full seasons of playoff games in his career. Tom Brady is the quarterback that I trust the most in this round. This is child's play for him. He's not going to freak out, <laughs> especially good. against Washington. So I, he's the guy I trust the most. I don't know. I, I, Patrick Mahomes probably a little bit more if we're doing the full playoffs, but at least for the 12 teams that are playing this weekend – Tom Brady by far is my number one. Yeah, I, I think that's the number one pick. There's no doubt about that. I, I I feel like I mean, nerves or like anything like that are gonna have nothing to do with Tom Brady's play. You you said it right. This is gonna be nothing. This is just like pregame warmups to him. Um, the only way I could see him being and getting in trouble in this game or just being too loose, maybe you know, being too aggressive. Hey, we're hot. I'm gonna throw rifles and fireballs all over the field and. That becomes, you know, a tip pass, interception, that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Um, but I'm with you. Brady is clearly number one. I think at number two, you know, Russell Wilson's got to be my next pick. Uh, for this weekend, again, Russell Wilson's played in two Super Bowls. He's played in a lot of playoff football. He understands pressure, you know, whether it's having to play through the defense or the run game or having to do it all himself. He can do it either way, and Russell Wilson is still a phenomenal quarterback. Yeah, he's still not going to get an MVP vote this year, but he's still one of the best the game has to offer. Russell was my number three. At my number two was your boy, Blue. Ooh, my boy, Blue! I am surprised. Just because I put him ahead of Russ because... Because he's on fire right we, now. We have seen <laughs> him become... He right. has basically forced his way into the conversation of best quarterback in the NFL. He's done it one game at a time. It's happening in front of our eyes. We're still kind of influenced by the leftover sense that he's got 50% accuracy and he's not going to be very good. And the stuff that you hear people say whenever he has an off day to justify their evaluation that was wrong from three years ago. Meanwhile, what's happening right in front of us is he is awesome since the loss to the Cardinals via the Hale Murray, this team has changed. He has changed. And they keep going next level, next level, next level. So uh, although the Colts, I don't think, are an ideal matchup because they're going to run the ball, apparently, and 253 yards from Jonathan Taylor, who's supposed to be hitting the rookie wall, that's not that's not good news for the Bills. And, and we're almost at the point now with the Buffalo offense where it's keep Josh Allen on the sideline drinking Gatorade. So slow the game down, take the full 40 seconds. You got a smart guy like Phillip Rivers who knows how to manage the clock to perfection. But still, I have I have full faith in Josh Allen. First home game for the Bills in the postseason since December of 1996 with fans there. First game this year with fans. Yeah. Uh, he, he's going to be on fire. I, I I don't doubt any of that. I mean, it's, it's a great – he would have been my next pick. I gave Russell the slight advantage just through experience. I don't think Russell's playing at a high level as Josh Allen right now, certainly. You know, I mean, you you you're 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 you think he's second in the MVP voting, probably right behind Aaron Rodgers, and you think it's pretty close. And I'm with you. I agree there. So uh, I'm excited to see what he does this weekend, nonetheless. All right, my next one. I'm going with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he's gonna he's my next quarterback. I, yeah, I try. You know, listen, I know Big Ben and Drew Brees, and they're on the board and all that. I, I sorry, I don't trust them. Not to the way I trust Ryan Tannehill. First off, I saw him play good playoff football last year, and you can trust him, too, to take care of the football like he did against the Patriots or did against the Ravens and won those football games, even though it wasn't like easy throwing the ball and it wasn't a pretty game or sexy on the offensive side of the ball. So I trust Tannehill, one, because he doesn't turn the ball over. Two, he is arguably the most accurate or one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in the game. They got that run game that goes with it, so he knows he doesn't have to force the ball. And quite honestly, he plays at an extremely high level. I trust him a lot. 
I'm surprised I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson with my final selection, Whoa. but I am because even though he's 0-2 in the playoffs, he's in a different mindset now. And the way that this team has developed and matured and they are overpowering opponents now, I don't think he's going to be flustered. I don't think he's going to be phased. I don't think he's going to be freaked out. I think he's just going to go take care of business this weekend. Even though they're, they're on the road, they're favorites to beat the Titans. And if they run the ball like they've been running the ball lately, they will. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. I, I, I think that's very fair and in the conversation. If we're going to evaluate it for this year and everything we've seen and lo, like the way they're playing right now, yeah, Lamar is – He's. I was sitting there going, wait, what am I going to do with my last pick? Am I going to pick Lamar, Big Ben, or Drew Brees? I'm not sure there. Now I'm down to Big Ben and Drew Brees, and I'm not sure where I am here on that either. You know, Baker's in that conversation for me too. I don't trust Phillip Rivers. I'm sorry. And Big Ben and, and Drew have not exactly blown us away with playoff performances. I think I'll go with Drew Brees here even though I don't feel terribly comfortable with it. But he does have the run game, the top offensive line, one of the best defenses in football. And I'm going to play the fact of their playoff struggles and everything like that. He's going to play good here down the playoffs. And we're, we're not talking about the Saints enough. I have a feeling they're enjoying going under the radar. Was your number 12 John Wolford or Mitchell Trubisky? Uh, it was Wolford. It was Wolford, yes. Uh, he, was, he was 12. When you combine Wolford with Sean McVay – I know it's close. You're right. You're right. There yeah. is that aspect of it. You know, there's no doubt. But Trubisky, the way he's played so much, so well lately, I'd, I'd give him the edge. All right, Calvin Johnson is among the 15 modern era Hall of Fame finalists. Should he be a first ballot Hall of Fame? We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Fifteen modern era Hall of Fame finalists were announced last night. Among the first-time finalists, first year of eligibility, Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, Jared Allen, Charles Woodson. I remember when Calvin Johnson retired arguing that not just he shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think – I don't know. Maybe I've come around on it. Maybe that's why they have a five-year waiting period. I, 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 he, No playoff wins, and when you look at where he fits on the – on the all-time list of catches and yards. He, he didn't play long enough, but we've seen guys get in who didn't play long enough but were dominant for long enough of a period of time, Chris, that they eventually get in. I think Calvin Johnson eventually gets in. I just don't think he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know. I'm on the fence with that one. I think he's definitely in. Now, listen, I, I think guys like Calvin Johnson, I would way favor them getting in over a guy like Frank Gore. I, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but, you know, consistent longevity to me is not necessarily Hall of Fame material. Unbelievable greatness is definitely is. And Calvin Johnson was a game changer and was the best player on the field and the best receiver in football a number of years. So from that, uh, I, I do think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. I wonder how much longer he would have played if he wasn't playing for the Lions. Same thing with Barry Sanders. How much sure. longer would he have played because you can only take oh, – sorry, Lions fans, but you know it. We know it. You can only take so much of playing for the Lions. Got to go. See ya. Everybody on Wednesday, have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.